0: coming slow sure. okay we are up
1: hello everyone welcome to barbershop talk minnesota it is august 1st 2020 can you believe it the summer of covid 19 oh my freaking goodness but we are here we're alive praise god and all the rest um great day outside to my left yes indeed it's vanjie castro and we are very thankful for you tuning in to our show catching us later. Uh, Bud and uh, Andre could not be here today. Uh, Bud's fam- family is getting over some illness and Crockett as he is very busy. So it's just me going at it with our two guests today. We got a double header, <laughs> if you will. So we're gonna go at it. I will do my best to get questions on my phone here to give to our candidates. We're gonna go 45 minutes. Bam, bam, bing. Um, And this is cool because uh, these candidates are running for city council president, and we'll get into what that means and what that's all about. But thank you for tuning in. It's good for you to know about this. This is Barbershop Talk South Minnesota. If you don't know about our medium, our whole goal is to be a media outlet that keeps it real as it relates to matters in our community, particularly with folks of color, but also voiceless folks. And we represent all of Minnesota with this idea of we all do better when we all do better. So that's what we're about here at Barbershop Top Minnesota. As you know, the African-American barbershop and beauty shop have been hallmarks of mental health, of spiritual health. Yeah, getting your hair cut, keeping it real, finding friends, and getting some merchandise even. So that's what we're doing here, but we're using it as a media outlet. So thank you for tuning in. So let's get into our show. A couple of things we tend to do on the front end is our kudos or uh, uh, thumbs up to folks. You know what, this week, I just wanna say thumbs up to the weather. It's been a great (laughs) weather week amid some crazy stuff that has happened this week, of which we'll kind of throw in our keep it real segment, but big kudos to the weather. Thank you God. Thank you, whoever you attribute good weather to and uh it's been great it's gonna be great next week 70s you know i'm playing weather man i've never done that <laughs> so uh so great weather we gotta say thank you to the Very weather, Minnesota to talk about the weather. it is isn't it and it is um so kudos to the weather I want to say kudos to the journey program uh natasha runs that that is starting to grow i saw some pictures this week of um, her doing some um, um uh, spots with some of the candidates and, and mayor and what have you um doing some great work there kudos to that program as it grows let's get into our keep it real segment but we'll keep it real short because we're all about vanjie today and man you're the only one here so i guess we got to keep it real together or i just have to just go on the cuff here yeah crazy week we got i'm just going to throw stuff out there we got the president trying to delay the election i thought that was a watershed He's done a lot of watershed types of things. Not this, and it, the Republicans, just the dude in this instance. Um, and I'm like, "Whoa, this dude is really trying to tear this this country apart." And then Herman Kane, mm-hmm. right? Our last show was about Black Republicans or Republicans in the area and whether they're doing for change. Huge. Uh, we mourn for uh, Herman Cain. He's a part of our minority and African American community. He's a Republican, um, but ran for president. We mourn for him and his family, no question. But on the flip side, what a wake-up call.
0: Yeah.
1: And then we got the NBA starting, which is cool. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, MLB, like mm-hmm. 19 people. So what's up, Van? I mean, we we'll, we'll just we'll just throw everything out there. On the we'll just talk well, about whatever. It's
2: been, a, it's been a very busy week. Uh, yeah. Politically and. And uh, sports-wise, I I guess. Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah, I I mean, we want to keep our elections fair and um, secure. And I think when you have somebody at the top office talking about their fear that the election process is not going to be uh, secure because of mail-in ballots, um, I think is, it, one, it's unconstitutional because the president really can't stop. Okay. Absolutely. Delay of election. But putting that into people's minds when you have such a huge platform, I think, can create, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, Distrust, uh, Right. <laughs> in the process. And isn't that what people do when it comes to. Uh, voting
0: right
2: there's a long history of suppressing the vote and this is people don't see or understand this is kind of part of trying to suppress people's votes right so if you already um, have a distrust in government in general you're thinking oh my votes not going to count it's not going to matter but that's always been kind of the the myth that has been thrown out there on a national level sure there's millions and millions of votes And you feel that your vote doesn't matter, especially when your candidate doesn't win on a local level. Right. Very
1: different, right? Right, right. Last
2: election, two wards had to have recounts because it was so close. Really? Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wale just chimed in the uh, 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 assistant director of the NAACP. He said, Yes, I've been predicting this. And folks have been predicting this. This dude is about, excuse me, my mom would spank me for that. Our POTUS is about to upend are and, and again he can't do it constitutionally but we know he can really get folks Bile, jive yeah, yeah so riled up, let's say. riled up and it's like he he actually went there and like wally said he's been predicting other folks nationally have been predicting it but i just can't believe he dropped that and doubled down on it later in the day after his tweet so wow um okay let me ask this okay. and i know we keep it real in the barbershop, because I guarantee you the barbershop is loaded with this. And unfortunately, it revolves around the homegoing of Herman Kane. Mm-hmm. But do you think folks are like, OK, it's real now, at least the conservatives?
2: Um, this is kind of been a contentious issue with probably a lot of folks on the side that no, it's real. We live in Med City. Right, right, right. So a lot of professionals in the healthcare understand this is real. Um, the rest of the country that might not be impacted, that feel that it's not real, probably don't know anyone that has had it. They haven't gotten it themselves. Um, so, yes, they can make these, uh you know, these assumptions. But, you know, I know people that have had it. I mm. know people who... Got over it. I know people who haven't gotten over it, and who right, right. actually passed away from it personally. So, so I know for me, it's real, and that's why we continue to wear masks. And I actually posted something yesterday because people like to compare the flu and COVID together. And I said, you know, in the state of Minnesota in 2019, 2020, there were 143 deaths. Right. In Minnesota, in the last five months, there's been 1,600 deaths. So no, it's not the same.
1: Right.
2: Um, so. You know, even if it, no, I didn't, Like, why can't we just take the precautions? What's so? Why would life- and, and
1: that's the part where, when the president says stuff about the voting, yeah. that's where it's like people can't even get in their mind. This is an actual hundred years pandemic.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. He's it politicized happens- this so much where people are like it doesn't exist. Oh, I got it. Oh, maybe it does. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, people are just abdicating their reality and their rationality. But I guess that's. Sociologically that does happen in our history.
2: Well, yes. psychologically, yes, yeah, so. yeah. Sociologically, we want to we don't want to disrupt our lives. I think right. really when it comes down to it, we want to go back to normal. And this is it. Right. This is our new normal.
1: Then, thank you. She's preaching that in the bar. There <laughs> it is right there.
2: And if we could just adjust and, and understand that this is our new normal, then we can get back to some semblance of of, of uh, some, you know, are going back to our lives, our right. daily lives, exactly. without that fear that we're going to get sick or get somebody sick. Um, we do have to continue to take precautions, but right. why don't we do that on a regular anyway?
1: Yeah, it, and that's what surprises me when you and maybe the history of our nation and all the battles, the different things that we've been through—Civil well, War, mm-hmm. World War—and world, they talk about how we got together and we mm-hmm. we we got together through the tough times. Maybe that's all. Yeah. Folklore, not real, but <laughs> you would think people would say, Guess what? We're going to get through this together. Differences and all. Let's it doesn't
2: just... work for politics. I'll just be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I'm a big advocate of prevention and intervention. That's a lot of the work that I've done. Mm-hmm. But that's not sexy right. when it comes to
1: elections, right? It, it isn't. But folks, but again, yeah, folks, are, yeah, I, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Um,
2: Let's talk about preventative health care. Go get your annual checkups.
1: Right. Really? And that's not good politics. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> keeping it real. And, and guess what? Vandy Castle, running for um, city council, uh, city city. council <laughs> president. Lost my brain there for a little bit. She's no stranger to the barbershop and the issues that we talk about here. So it's great to have her. Can't run rough shot over her. She's going to know it from A to Z. Thank you for being here on the Barbershop Talk South Minnesota show. So, so why are you running?
2: Well, thank you, Barbara Talk, for having me here. Uh, and thank you, Donovan. Mm-hmm. You're always a gracious host. Why am I running? Um, well, I think that good governance is really important when it comes to a civil society. Uh, my background is in political science and public administration. I initially went to school uh, you know, thinking that I was going to go pre-med, but then when I took a political science class, I realized just how government impacts our daily lives Mm -hmm. from like the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, right? A lot of people talk about like politics, like they don't really like, they're not involved or they don't like to talk about politics, but it affects us more than we want to admit, right? So I had ran for school board two years ago. twenty eighteen and unsuccessfully didn't get through the primary. Not because I didn't try, but I think it wasn't it wasn't my time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um and I wasn't going to run this past year. My mom had recently passed away in February, so I didn't think I was um there, you know, emotional emotionally and mentally uh there to put all my effort into it. But then what happened in May with George Floyd, it was kind of like this cry like, like this to get out there and do something. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: And it was like, what? I was in the shower thinking I would, cause I'm about programming. I'm about education. And, right. Right. And I was like, well, what can I do? What kind of program could, could I do? I was like, you've been doing programs for 10 years. Yeah, true. And how has that, I mean, you make little small changes in, in people's thoughts and attitudes, but this, is this is systemic. Right. This is institutional. And you know, and that's why you went into political science, that institutions are based on policies and laws. And right. the only way that you can change that is if you're a person that creates policies and laws. And then I remembered right. Randy Saber wasn't running again and that you know the city council president was up for reelection or election. And um I was like, just do it. Just throw your hat into just the ring and because there were no uh people of color running for that seat right and if we want real representation um it has to be of the of the communities that are just dis- that, right. infect- that are affected uh by by these racist policies
1: right and and i appreciate that as i've been thinking about this we need that diversity um and this whole i won't we'll get into it with yeah. one of the questions I don't think, particularly in a town like this, change will happen unless we change leadership Mm -hmm. and have diverse leadership uh, across the board. Because, oh, uh, (laughs) let me just okay. Let me go to the next question. I was about to just in the
2: last ten. Yeah, we know each other. We've worked on things together in the last ten years. Yeah, we've talked a lot about leadership in in Rochester.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's man. Okay, but but Mm I get to that. I won't get too lit right away. (laughs) City Council President. I'm going to just throw this out there. I didn't know much about it until maybe four years ago in its pivotal position. Um, What is the city council president? Why is it so huge? Um, And then are you ready for this position, if you will? Mm
2: -hmm. Um, The city council president uh, sets the agenda, sets the tone of the city council. They, They run the meetings. Um, it's an at-large seat. So basically everybody in Rochester that's eligible to vote can vote for them. also uh, the city council president represents the entire right. city. So it's kind of like, you know, the mayor and then the city council president and the, re- the other uh, ward representatives. Um, yeah. Well, I wouldn't run if I didn't feel right. that I was ready and prepared to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm a serious candidate. I'm, mo- I'm usually a pretty serious person sometimes I don't take myself seriously, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I've basically spent my professional life getting to a point or working towards uh, getting into a leadership position. I have always intended to run for a, um, a public office uh, and set myself up to be in that kind of position. Um, and when I thought about like, initially I didn't think about myself, right. I was like, who could, who is a person of color or a person with a diverse background that could run for this position and and be successful? And I know that Regina was already running for, you know, county commissioner. And you were running for Ward Six, and I couldn't think of anybody else that had kind of name recognition uh, or yeah. the background. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the ability to be able to really run a citywide campaign. And it was like, well, Vanjade, I think that's probably going to be. It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the,
1: the, the, yeah, you got to get uh, that, that uh, moment.
2: Most of the time, like the, you, you women let's right. talk about women in uh, public office. You have to ask them like 20 times to run for an office before right. they'll actually say, right. Right, say yes, because there's always that hesitancy that they don't feel that they're ready for leadership. Right. And what, what what's that about? Right. So, um, talk about gen, you know, the gender and patriarchy and all that good stuff, but that's not where we're gonna go with that. But really, when it comes to leadership, <clears throat> there are people out there that run for office that are you know are totally unqualified.
1: Oh my goodness. oh my goodness.
2: <laughs> and end up <the> winning
1: <laughs> so, Oh my freaking goodness so the that's
2: fact true. That even you're, you're asking um, women uh, if they're qualified, they're not gonna run. Unless they know that they are three times better than the people. That and, are running and
1: that the is, uh, yeah, in, in the African-American world, we call it the black tack. You better yeah. bring it <laughs> if you want to go high level, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Right. So are you and, and this is coming come from learning, getting in this process of mm-hmm. campaigning yeah, um, and also seeing it in the media. Mm-hmm. Man, there's some uh, there's some uh, ruffled feathers out there in leadership. Uh, the, on various the, issues.
2: The you know, communities of color.
1: Yeah, and are you ready to take the bullets at this position? It is leadership. Well, I know you are, <laughs> um, but, but but able to bring folks together and even Staver, a quiet dude, who, you know, a st- dude, vernacular for great guy, okay? <laughs> um, you know, he got bullets like crazy. Uh, are you ready for that type of thing? Uh, yes, Yes, and she brought you just say yes. Yes, I love it. I love
2: it. I, mean, as a, uh, a female, a uh, person of color, I'm an immigrant, uh, someone who identifies uh, with the LGBTQ plus community. I have been receiving
1: bullets. You oh yeah um, you, you you know how to do this.
2: Uh, for for, for like, pretty much my entire life. So to to to, you know, it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily just about having thick skin. It's about understanding that. People are attacking you for for you know these singular identities.
1: I I knew she uh, would bring it because this girl knows <laughs> some stuff.
2: Uh, I think it, it's it's a lot of uh, you know misinformation, prejudices, stereotypes, uh, of fear, um, mm-hmm. and lack of knowledge. And and it, I think when you get to know me. Um, you're you kind of like, well, you're, you're pretty cool for an immigrant. Person, person, whatever, you know, the list goes on. And yeah. so I have a lot of that those intersections. So when people ask me, like, if you're going to be able to bring um, groups of people together, I mean, basically, yes, because I can see things from different angles. Um, and I always, with the work that I did with the Diversity Council, that's pretty much what we constantly was doing, kind of facilitating really difficult conversations, trying to make people who um, had differing thoughts and ideas to come to some kind of middle ground, some Mm -hmm. kind of consensus of like, yeah, I believe this and I believe this, but maybe we can agree on this, Right. Right. right? And we talked about that earlier, about like two organizations that were kind of going at each other. But they're doing at the you know, at the end of the day, they're doing the same work. It's just how they're getting there is different. Right. But right. if we keep centralized the work that we are doing, mm-hmm. then we can find a way to come together and just go at that. Right, right. Right. If we wanna end systemic racism, let's that's, that's our enemy, right. not each other.
1: Right, exactly. Right. So, I I want to throw this question out, and the other uh, candidates will get this question too. But you being as learned as you are, uh, having worked with the Diversity Council, obviously you're a woman of color, have various identities Mm -hmm. that deal with diversity on various levels. Thankfully, the world, certainly our area, is adopting the idea of change. Mm -hmm. Male just opened their plumber doors, which which I guess only has happened seven times in their story history, and now have pledged $100 million to eliminate racism, mm-hmm. and this is the keep it real portion, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, sorry. <laughs> Diversity in this town, in many other areas, it is popular, it's, it has a little bit of a fad, and it makes money to a degree, and I don't want to take that too too far. Are we going to see change in this community? Um, because often it comes as a sophisticated band-aid, Oh, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. Or it's ceremonious with no substance or is led by folks that are not in minority positions or that are not minorities Mm -hmm. to make the change. Um, And I'm looking and I can give you a great example right now. And I have to try to keep the lid on this, but I didn't last week. So why wouldn't I do it this week? For instance, the police department, Mm -hmm. sheriff, they brought over. They already had one social worker, but brought over two others, as I understand it. I asked the question to the leaders, uh, what ethnicity are those mm-hmm, folks? Mm-hmm. All of them at this point mm-hmm. are Euro American. That's my word for white. I'm going to say it's more. We can get that identity yeah. discussion later. But they're all white. Yeah. And I'm like, shocking. I was just livid. I'm like, we don't get it. Um, the call. Well, for I think ch- you and I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd they don't get it. They don't get it. And I'm like, <laughs> So can, <laughs> what's my question man Can change happen and should we just be cool with it being Euro-American led and say, cool, hey, at least they want change?
2: Um, change will only happen if we're disruptive. Yeah. This is a, the unfortunate, you know, like, part of all of this with George Floyd is it's not that George Floyd was uh, murdered by um, uh, the the now no longer with the Minnesota Police Department. Um, It is the, I don't want to call them riots, but they started out as peaceful protests that then turned into riots uh, by people who, you know, took the protests as, as an opportunity to create a lot of havoc. And there was, it was weeks of that. Mm-hmm. that's really if you think about it right that's really what was bringing the change on
0: right yeah yep yeah.
2: um because it wasn't until they arrested officer chauvin Harrison, yep. yep yep um that it started to kind of level up as
1: yeah. John Lewis called it good trouble
2: yeah and it wasn't just here in Minnesota right it was across the United States it was in the entire world right right we're protesting this. And um, I, I don't know if it has a lot to do with the pandemic, giving us this opportunity to do a lot of self-reflection. Right. Um. Uh, but I think it is, it is a, uh, it, we were at a tipping point, but were we at a tipping point with Philando Castile or yeah. uh, with Oscar Grant or with Michael Brown, you know, like Trayvon Martin, so many. Right, so right. Many, but, um, Are we going to now use this opportunity where people were so disruptive and so angry, uh, frustrated, uh, all of these feelings and emotions around the world to really create some real change? And and it's going to be hard because when you have had a system that that has made your life a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and you haven't really had to do much about, Mm-hmm. perpetuating that system right. you just live your life what what is the motivation for you to change it
1: right do you think because people even are co-opting and it didn't happen that I was listening to representative Clyburn and his remarks towards the death of John Lewis and how people co-opt the movement and the words and the phrases to their own, and next thing you know, it gets lost, and next thing you know. We even have local folks co-opting this idea of change, right, and all this, this language into their campaigns, and I'm like, man, that is something, bro, that is something. But it is what it is. Do you think, and I'm I'm hitting you below the belt on this, but but you've been here, Ben. Do you think people, are pre- and it is up to the voters, and I'm not saying what the voters should do, Appreciate that a bandy Castro has all this diversity, not only culturally, but you're going to help look at things at a different angle when it comes to every issue as it relates to Rochester, and give it a different spin so it can collectively help everyone. Do you think people understand that diversity doesn't just mean your various identities, but your culture? But you come from a culture where hey, let's look at look at it this way. How can we? And obviously, you're educated. (laughs) (laughs)
2: i know right it's shocking (laughs) i went to college (laughs) yeah yeah my mom is proud so um
0: (laughs) that's good that's good
2: um i do bring a lot of different identities i also you know bring um you know my own lived experience of you know being an immigrant Um, Mm huh. Coming from a larger, much larger metropolitan area, that you know, when you talk about crime, you know, Oakland, California, oh heck right? yeah, uh, San Francisco, lots of homeless. Uh, you know, all of these problems that we talk about here in Rochester—that is like, oh my God, this is so awful. It's like I grew up with like people sleeping on the streets, right? Where people were being shot, and like right. my car was broken into every other week, right? And it was just kind of like a way of of, of being living in a large metropolitan area, so I do I see what people are worried about because right. I live that. Right. Because they don't want to, right. you know, be Oakland, California. Um, Oakland, California is lovely. It's a really beautiful city. That's There's right. something right. wrong with That's being right. Oakland, California. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think people, when we say that, are they talking about black people?
1: Right. Right. Exactly. You know,
2: equating crime to people of color. Right. You know, it's let's just be real, right? right? It's like the you know code words. Um, but also that we I grew up poor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, living in a two bedroom apartment with my you know two sisters, brother, and my parents. Uh, and getting out of that, you know, my dad worked, my parents working hard to get us into a more middle class mm-hmm. lifestyle. Right. And for me to go and get an education, working full time, getting my degree. And then, you know, kind of being now mm. kind of, I guess, middle class, really what is middle class, um, right, right. Uh, especially here in Rochester, I mean, is that $70,000? Yeah,
1: middle class in this town is 70000 There's Oh, my. Oh, you won't get into that one, too.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't make, never 70, I never I work to nonprofits. If I was making $70,000 in a nonprofit, people would be questioning, what is your nonprofit doing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I have a lot of experience, you know, being, living in, in these different lives, you know, lived experience of, of mm. you know, being someone who was poor, an immigrant, a working college student, um, you know, middle class. So I understand what all those folks are living through. Right, right, right. And especially when it, when it comes down to, you know, being in an economic crisis, how that what their struggle looks like and right. feels like and what maybe some of the supports and programs that we could provide them to help lift them up through a very trying time. Right. So I think when you have a very homogenized leadership, that probably socioeconomically is the same, probably had similar ba- mm-hmm. you know backgrounds in growing up if they had you know two parents with education. Mm-hmm. I was lucky to have um, two parents, not a lot of folks. Uh, you know, people of color, um, have two parents.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right?
2: I've been one or of them. Or yeah. educated yeah, parents. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my dad was educated. So that was like, I think that's kind of helped get us out of uh, poverty. Uh, was the fact that he had an education. And that's why I think high quality education is really important when, it, when we talk about um, lifting communities of color out of poverty. Right. Right. Uh, historically marginalized communities out of, you know, how schools are funded,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, you know, more low income neighborhood schools aren't aren't getting as much funding. Right. It's a little bit different here in Minnesota. Right, they do fund it a little more equally. Yeah, amongst the districts, and also you know, Rochester is such an interesting town uh, economically because all the neighborhoods I would I feel
1: mm-hmm.
2: are equally wealthy except for you know South
1: uh, they do do mm-hmm. it evenly growing yeah. up in Indianapolis yeah. Indiana and seeing yeah. the the differences and the slums and blah blah, blah. Yeah, yeah they do do it differently here yeah. and I think it is it's definitely beneficial
2: yeah uh, when I first moved here ten years ago they said well you know we asked where should we live um and they're like well don't don't live in southeast I was, like, yeah. I was like what why 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 uh, they're like oh well you know the you know the neighborhood's not great you know, there's more crime or whatever. And I was thinking, what kind of crime? Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, what, what is this? Well,
2: when I when I was here for a bit, little bit longer, I realized it was more, where more of the lower income rentals and people of color. Right. Lived. And I was, It's kind of, then I realized, it kind of hit me, oh, okay, this is what yeah. racism in Rochester looks like.
1: <laughs> So, and, and, and yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. And now the area is developing with, mm-hmm. and they're building stuff down there too. Yeah. So obviously we won't be able to get into all the questions no. we have here today. Big one is, obviously we have the uh, August 11th primary mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, and why should folks in, in respect and in the, the kindness of what Rochester, Minnesota, NICE is, why should folks vote for you instead of our other two Uh, candidates for uh, council president.
2: I think the other two candidates are great. They have uh, wonderful talents and skills and um, experience. But I think that if we want to get through this current crisis, economic crisis and the pandemic, and of course, you know, social unrest when it comes to uh, racism, I think it is time for Rochester to have leadership that can look at very complex issues in, in, a, in a different way than we have in the past. Because I think if we continue to put leadership that have created the problems that we're currently in back into the positions thinking that they're going to solve the problem, you know, that's kind of the, the definition of insanity, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so I think it is time for, if we want real substantive change, to probably vote for leadership that is different. right? Um, And I probably could be as different. And as, you know, not necessarily polar opposite, but of course, if you stood the other two candidates, all of us together, I mean.
1: You might look a little bit different. I might look a little bit
2: shorter. (laughs) 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 Um, But, I, yeah, my experiences are, are very different. Uh, we, we, now Brooke and Kathleen, we all are here at the same place, right? Right. Well, we, exactly. One of them will, one of us will be the first female, um, you know, president. She persisted. So, um, but why why should Rochester vote for me? I think Rochester should vote for me be, because I'm the right person for this position mm. right now.
1: Cool, so let me get a hot button issue issue in here. Uh, and it was on our list of questions. I was surprised to hear, perhaps it's my ignorance in doing all that I do, mm-hmm. um, of the disconnect or the lack of uh, collegiality, if you will, between the school board and the city council. Um, first of all, I didn't know that, know that there needed to be a lot of collegiality or, mm-hmm. or connection, but I get it mm-hmm. looking at the budget and what have you. Mm-hmm um and then i even was talking to someone on the board yesterday and he's like yes that stuff exists with regard to that and the hot button issue of oh my goodness school is starting COVID 19 yeah what are your thoughts around that are we um what can the city do should it do anything i mean it's it's uh, one thing i've learned through this campaign is that that, oh the city should save world hunger and and uh you know, in solve Greenland, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, that's that's somebody that is, else's. That's not the city. Yeah, but what can the school board, excuse me, the city council do about this communication issue? And and bigger, um, this whole idea of dang, COVID nineteen and going back to school and snotty nose kids.
2: Well, I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> solve that problem. That's, <laughs> that's the school board, the school districts' uh, uh, decision since the the Governor has left it up to the the school districts to decide how they're going to implement um, the school year and also with, with certain guidelines, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and I don't know if they've decided yet. I right. don't think our PS has really put out what their final plan is going to be. Uh, the congeniality? Con- congeniality. Congeniali. Collegiality. Collegiali.
1: And, and that's one word I can say, Collegiali. as many others I can, as I've, yeah, I learned in my campaign.
2: Um, we talked about this earlier about silos
1: yeah
2: uh, lots of organizations work in silos uh, even though a lot of those organizations may be doing similar work right um and then so' work, you know working at nonprofits that i i understood like we are all fighting for these same similar grants yep. right to do this really great work that our organization is trying to do so we're competing against each other to try to like you know, solve world hunger, and right. homelessness or end racism. Um which is unfortunate because if we could put all you know our resources together, our collective, you know, skills and talents and intellectual labor, we could probably solve a lot of these problems.
1: In this town with all this money? Absolutely. And that's um, the kind of funny part. But I've been in leadership to where it's like, I get it, I get it. Psychologically at least. <laughs>
2: Uh, competition yeah you know, that's what we're doing you and I we're, we're running for city council uh, seats um and these are good people uh that have nothing wrong uh, and nothing against them, but I you know of course I want to win right
1: exactly <laughs> so we're
2: gonna do whatever it takes to win I mean not anything illegal or anything like <laughs> that <laughs> but you know you know within our our power and within our scope um all bo- like county, school board, city, we all have our, like our jurisdictions, right? That right. This is what, you know, our scope of work is. This is what we do. Um. And I think sometimes like the, the school district, if the city comes in saying, hey, you should do this, they get really mm-hmm. um, protective. Oh,
0: yes. Oh, yes.
2: Right. Uh, and I've heard that before where, you know, city council and school boards with the, you know, building the new school about where what the school board wanted to do compared to like the city and, mm. you know, the city offering land and all of this. Because at the end of the day, they we need each other. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. So The school district wants to build a new school in a, sit- in, in a place where there's no infrastructure. The city needs to build that infrastructure that's going to cost money. You know, if we're not talking to each other about like, well, this is going to it's not the city and the school. board. This is taxpayer money. Right. Exactly. And so to be good stewards of this money, we should be talking to each other about how it's going to be spent. Right. If you want to build a, a new school that needs infrastructure, it has to make sense to right. the city growth.
0: Exactly. And that's exactly. what
2: the school, that's where the city council comes into play, because that's what we do. Right. Uh, is, you know, providing infrastructure and approving uh, uh, plans for city
0: growth.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, streets and sewers and sidewalks and oh, all
1: that, fun stuff.
0: All yeah. that really exactly. sexy
2: things yeah. that <laughs> city council does. Um, and, I, you know, when we don't know what each other does, that's where the disconnect happens.
1: Isn't that a surprise, though? And, and it's not, and I say this having... Been on a couple of committees up in, in St. Paul. I was amazed as I was governor elected to the council for mm-hmm. Minnesota's African Heritage and another committee up there, how the stuff that you're talking about happens. And I'm like, wait a minute, you got eight degrees, you have a you know, all this money and all this, all this whatever, and, and same thing here, these are some educated folks. Yeah, and no diss to anyone. <laughs> but how does this happen? Oh, bureaucracy is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's
0: why I, I went to school for it. Uh, yeah. uh,
2: every, everybody has their own bylaws.
1: That's so you're right. You're right. You're right.
2: Uh, so when you ask city council like certain like the question that was asked about uh fees and regulations and things like that. Some of those regulations are state regulations. Right. And the city can't can't really change those unless we go to the state to right. change that. So they get mad at us at the city council right. saying that we're the reason why they, they make making buildings so expensive because of these regulations. Wait a minute, stop
1: right there. That's something. You that see you how smart she is. She's to, just dropping some stuff and it's going, woo, but I'm loving it.
2: <laughs> right? So you need to go to your state legislator right, right. and talk to them about that. And then we have some other, you know if it is permit, permitting that right. we do have control over. Um you know, so the, the school district, the count there are roads that right. the county um, you know, outside of the city limits, they mm-hmm. take care of. People yell at the city council, why aren't you taking care of those roads? Right. Those aren't our roads, those are the county roads. Right. right exactly. So I mean, how do we try to um one we have to educate the community so we tell them, well that's not our, you know, Our road, that's the county's road. So then it feels like we're kicking it, kicking the can down the road.
0: Right.
2: Like, oh, you're just avoiding answering this question. No, that's just how it works. Right. Unfortunately, but you know what? Let me go. What we could do is say, hey, I'll go talk to the county about how we can address this issue.
0: Right.
2: Or get them back, you know, like I can connect you with them. Mm -hmm. But instead of just kind of kicking the can down the road, that we can somehow find a way to bridge some of these disconnects with organizations, because especially with COVID, we're going to have to work together to exactly. get through this.
0: Exactly.
2: You know, the school district will decide how school is going to reopen. The city can provide supports for the working families mm-hmm. and also so so can the county. So that's where we as a city can help support uh, you know, families going back to school. We're not going to influence in any, any way uh, what the school district is going to do or decide, right. but we can be there to help support the families um, that may be struggling and trying to figure out what they're going to do in the fall.
1: Right. I hope you all hearing this This woman up here dropping some knowledge, this leader up here dropping serious coinage. You know,
2: and that's really kind of, what I wanted to do as a, as a candidate is kind of educate people about what city council does, right. um, how important city council is uh, and the decisions that they make, but also kind of give them an understanding or a, a base of um, how you mm-hmm. uh, as a as a community member can participate because they think it's really important to have uh, educated
1: and engaged uh, citizens. Exactly. Great stuff. So Vinny, let's get you out of here yeah, right. on some closing statements. What would you want the Barbershop Talk folks to know about you and why they should vote for you?
2: Well, thanks for having me. Yes. Barbershop Talks. Uh thank you, Donovan. Um, and Andre and Bud, they're not here, but thanks for having, <laughs> having the barbershop talks. Um remember to vote if you haven't already voted on August 11th primary. Uh vote for me, Venge Castro. You can learn more about me at my website. Um Vote for me because you feel that I support the issues that you care about and that are important to you. That's why you should vote for me. And then I will represent represent you, be your voice, uplift your voice, and implement the the policies that will help move the city forward.
1: There you have it, Vandy Castro for City Council, Rochester City Council Ward President. Thank you for coming to the Barbershop Talk Show she dropped it. Make sure you listen to what she said. She said a lot <laughs> of stuff that I need to go study myself after this show <laughs> or after we speak with Brooke. But thank you for tuning in. This is Barbershop Talk. We'll see you in about 10 to 15 minutes for our next show with Brooke, who her has, who, has, she's running for Rochester City Council President as well. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks for